everyone, and welcome to The Goods, a film podcast. We've gathered together here for episode 115, which is going to be the second installment in our themed train month. Choo-choo! Welcome, Dan. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Hey, pretty good. Glad to be on the tracks again. We made a brief detour into the station to talk footnote with Gavin. And that was fun. But now we're underway once again. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brian, what are we going to be watching and talking about this week? Well, for our second train-themed installment, we are going to be talking about Train to Busan, a 2016 film from South Korea from director Yun Sang-ho. And this is where I'm going to say right off the bat that I'm not going to even try to keep track of all these Korean names. <laughs> yeah, probably smart. I, I'll be there with you. We're going to be referring to characters by their function and their role <laughs> rather than their names, which was pretty much how we dealt with Parasite as well, our last Korean film, I think, that we covered. Yeah. And and that'll be easy here because they fit into types as in any good zombie movie, you're going to have types, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It was never difficult to keep track of who was who. No. I don't even think they said names very much. And so... Did I say this was a zombie movie, Dan? Well, if you didn't, I spoiled that because I said it too. But yes. Yes. Well, good. Just so people know that right away. It is. And so we will be discussing as we go this film's strengths as both a zombie movie and a train movie. I think it does well delivering on both fronts. Yeah, yeah. It, it had me wondering. So this was 2016. I would say it's on the tail end of the big zombie boom that happened around when we were in high school and in college, Brian, like late 2000s, early 2010s. But this is like very squarely pitched as zombies on a blank. So this is zombies on a train. And I was trying to think, like, what are, are there other examples of that from the big zombie boom? I believe there is a zombies on a plane movie. I've okay. not seen it. Or a zombies butt blank. Mm -hmm. I guess we had, uh, I thought of, Zombeavers. That's the one. It's zombies, except they're beavers. It's not exactly the same, but you know. Right. Yeah. There are some inventive zombies, but films. Mm -hmm. There's one called Fido, which is like the zombie apocalypse came and went, and now people keep zombies as pets. <laughs> kind of like what happens to the friend at the end of um, Shaun of the Dead, where they've got him like penned up out in the yard. Right. Right. I remember that. It's like snakes on a plane, but zombies on a train. That's right. I, that's the example that I went to as well to contextualize this one. Right. If they had just called it Zombies on a Train, would that have been a better title, Brian? <laughs> you know, it wouldn't have buried the lead if they'd done that. Because <laughs> I had heard of this and I didn't know it was a zombie movie. I wouldn't know if it was called Zombies on a Train, but Train to Busan... Is Busan a real city? I'm like so geographically ignorant. <laughs> I did look at a map for this one, and yes, it's a real city. Okay. So just for context, Seoul, where the movie starts, is at the northern part of South Korea, and Busan is at like the very southern tip of the peninsula. 
So it's like opposite ends of that country, although they're only like 250 miles apart. Mm. So America, I've heard it said, and maybe I've even said on the podcast, that in the old world, Europe specifically, I've heard it said that in America, a hundred years is old. And in the old world, Europe specifically was what the saying was about, a hundred miles is far. Like, in America, you drive 100 miles, and you you could be, like, still in the same part of the same state. Yeah, when I uh, <clears throat> was in college, I went to my cousin's wedding, and I met um, someone there who was from England. And we kind of hit it off. I was talking to her, and she was, like, asking me about my life. And I was like, yeah, I go to college. It's not too far from here. So this was my freshman year of college, and I was going to Virginia Tech my freshman year. I said, yeah, it's like a, I don't know, four-hour drive on the highway. She was like, four-hour drive on the highway? Like, going 60 miles an hour or whatever the KM equivalent is. I was like, yeah, that's so far. So, I don't know. I I just kind of thought that was funny how aghast she was at that. Right. So, yeah, like the the whole country, like, you know, 300 miles tip to tip. Right. Whereas for us, like, the grandkids of the 10th president are still alive or something like that. Right. And we've covered a few zombie films on the podcast before. The number has grown. You know, early on we did Night of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead. We've subsequently covered the entire zombies (laughs) saga on the Disney Channel. Hardest core zombie movies. Zombies 1, 2, and 3. Has there been anything else? That's a good question. I didn't I didn't research our, our list. That might be it. But it feels close to our wheelhouse. Yeah. But I think this is the first one we've done where the zombies are fast. Yes. Well, I guess in zombies one, two, and three, they they're regular human ish. So fast ish. But anyways, go ahead. Right. I mean, I guess they could run if they chose to, but they're not the kind of rage-filled infected that were introduced in 28 Days Later, which you mentioned the um, zombie boom of the 2000s. Uh, That was very much a key part. It was like there was a one, two, three punch of Shaun of the Dead, the zombie survival guide by Max Brooks, and the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead... And 28 Days Later. So I guess that's four things. But it's like those four things all in conjunction was like the planets aligning. And it just really brought the zombie genre back. Probably bigger than it's ever been before or since. And then... Then The Walking Dead a little bit later. Which just ended somehow. It feels like that was four generations of media ago. Yeah, I mean, it was on for like 12 or 13 seasons. So that's pretty crazy. But yeah. I feel like it was, like, the number one show in a couple seasons. It was, like, it was big. I don't know. I don't know if it ever topped Big Bang Theory, but (laughs) it was doing brisk business, and that's why it lasted so long. I only kept up with it through, like, season five. Because there was one season where they spend the whole time following a railroad track, actually train-themed, and they're hoping to get to this settlement. And they're like, if we follow the tracks, we get to the settlement and there'll be people there and maybe we can settle there. But then they get there and the people who live in the town are like, 
violent cannibals already, like not too different from zombies. And then the group just decides to turn around and go back the other way. And that's like one episode into the next season. And it's like, well, that was just a pointless year of my life. <laughs> it's like we, you were, you were walking for a, a year and there was no payoff and I'm done. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I only saw the pilot of that because it got really good reviews and there was just too much stuff. I didn't watch too much TV drama then. I mostly watched comedies and I was like, it's all right. I would maybe watch it someday, but I'm not going to like hang around with it week to week. And then I saw headlines like eight months ago or something that catch the big finale of the walking dead. I was like, what did I go to time machine or something like that? How could that be? I think there's a spinoff or something that's either still going or also recently ended. I'm actually not sure. Yeah, there's been a couple spinoffs. They did one called Fear the Walking Dead, which took place in a different city. I believe that was in New Orleans. And the main story started in Atlanta. And then actually, I think they went up to Virginia for a lot of it. But anyway, then more recently, they did one that was called like Tales of the Walking Dead or something. And that was a comedy version. Oh, it was like it was like a funny one. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> funny apocalypse. Yeah, it's interesting. They've really milked it. I will say seasons two and three, I thought were better than season one. So if you're ever inclined, those were kind of good. Okay. Uh, in one season, they're living on a farm. And in one season, they're living in a prison that they turn into like a fortress. It's already kind of a fortress. But there's questions of like, if you're surviving long-term amidst the zombies, do you need to be a warrior or can you start focusing on being a farmer? And it's like the roots of civilization, you know? Right. When do you... It, it, it was a little like John Wayne's The Searchers, you know? It's like, do we need rough-and-tumble men once the frontier is no more? It's a little interesting. Okay. But I did check in for that one super violent episode where the crazy guy with the bat beat steven yoon to death oh i don't i didn't know that that was a thing okay so was it worth it that was a very gnarly episode i'm almost surprised that they could like have that on tv huh okay it was gross um that was the premiere i think of season seven Uh, rick grimes andrew lincoln was only in it until like season 10 and i don't even know how they kept it going once he wasn't there i don't even think he died i i don't know i didn't watch the episode i think he just left so they wrote him out somehow he knocked on the wrong door with signs (laughs) tell him it's zombies (laughs) um fast zombies here's my analogy i think fast zombies is like salt and vinegar chips either really like them or you really don't like them like I know a couple of people that I've talked to just think it's like sacrilege. Zombies are slow and that's part of the menace of them. And I think there's something to that. Like when I play with my daughters, speaking of which, lots of good daughter content in this movie. But right. when I when I play with my daughters, one of the games we do is where I do we call it the mummy walk. So it's like mummy like from ancient Egypt, mummy monster and it's basically like a really slow zombie walk and I make a grunt every time I step and it turns out that the slowness of it makes it more tense for them. And like the slower it is, the more each step is scary to them. 
So I kind of get it psychologically. It's like the the sense that this thing is coming towards you. Like the first Halloween kind of does this too. Michael Myers doesn't do too much of like running to chase after, but he just kind of walks slowly. You know, he he lumbers towards you. And I, I think the slow approach does add a, uh, a tension to it that's not there with the fast. It's like all this, there's no buildup to it, you know? But on the other hand, it's way more threatening. It's like visceral and in your face, you know? Right. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts pretty much in line with what you said. That on the one hand, like, am I just a fuddy-duddy for preferring the old ways and thinking it's so much better when they're slow? Like, are there people who, when the slow zombies came in 1968, they're like, oh, man, they need to still be Haitian zombies. They need to be, like, bewitched plantation workers. That's the only good kind of zombie. Like, that's how they were in, like, White Zombie and I Walked With a Zombie and, like, all the 30s and 40s zombies films. So, uh, yeah, are we just sticks in the mud? But I, I do enjoy when it's, like, they're threatening when there are many all assembled as one. And, like, you can kind of cool your heels, but, you know, that gives a chance for the human tensions to come out. Whereas when they're fast, it's, like immediately an existential threat you're just that can just immediately have everybody be done everybody's a zombie now they've won right game over yeah okay so you prefer the slow zombies gotcha i do but 28 days later is a pretty good movie have you seen that one dan no i haven't i would recommend it i still have never seen the sequel which seems like it could potentially be good too doesn't someone famous direct it who is it danny boyle let me look it up. 28 Days Later. It is Danny Boyle. So Danny Boyle is one of my pet peeves. I don't really like him, directors. But I would still give it a shot. Because I know I have heard very good things about that. There's a scene in that one where they're walking through like a parking garage or something. And there's a zombie dead, just like, you know, ripped apart up on the roof of the parking garage. But a drop of its blood drips down the outside of the parking garage and falls in a guy's eye and that's enough to turn him and ever since then i'm always grossed out oh by dripping stuff just yeah if there's ever anything dripping dripping yeah it's like <laughs> oh what is it even though it's probably not zombie blood it's like it could be a chemical from you know just like a, a leak or it could be piss or something crap yeah, or, yeah exactly it's like, oh, I'm, now I'm worried about that in a way I never was before I saw that movie. When you step over a vent in the city and the hot air comes up, that gives me the willies, too. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I don't want hot air. It just feels weird on a street. <laughs> it's like somebody's breathing on me or something. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, we got to actually dig into this thing. Yeah. Be before we do, train topic of the week. All right. What do you got? All right. I'll, I'll keep this pretty quick. So... One thing that has already always fascinated me is that an astonishing number of our idioms in the English language come from boat terminology. And I wondered if that was also true for trains. I mean, I figured probably not quite as prevalent because trains developed later in our language evolution. Right. I mean, boats have existed like forever. Right. But so I looked it up and, and uh, there actually are a decent amount. 
my suspicion was pretty much correct that there are some, but not nearly as many as boat related. But here, here's a couple for you. Basically, anything that's track related, so backtrack, fast track, sidetracked, one track mind, anything like that is, is multi track drifting. <laughs> yeah. Making the grade, that surprised me. So I don't know like exactly why making the grade. Well, I never would have thought of that one, but grade, I believe, is the steepness of the trek. Like, if you are going up a hill, that's like a steep grade. Okay, yeah. So I guess you got to get that. This one, I I hadn't thought of, but it makes total sense. Tunnel vision. So I use that phrase sometimes. Mm. And it's like when you're going, I mean, thinking about it, it's likely when you go through a tunnel, you just see only what you can see through the tunnel and nothing else. So like, that's why you're super focused on the thing in front of you because you're looking literally through a tunnel at the thing. Mm -hmm. It's like you got blinders on a horse. Streamlined. That's a good one. Interesting. Train of thought. Yes. Very good. Yeah. End of the line. Makes sense. That one's almost like obvious because that's what you say when you get to the end of a, some sort of travel. Trains also have turntables. Mm. They were probably using those before the record turntable, for instance. Turntable. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Here's a good one. Bells and whistles. Here, This one has an anecdote associated with it. The Central Pacific Company had 30 locomotives gaily decked ranged on the city front, and at the signal of a gun announcing the driving of the last spike on the road... The locomotives opened a chorus of whistles, and all the bells and steam whistles in the city joined. That's from a news article from 1869, Bells and Whistles. I'm glad we got some Promontory Point Golden Spike talk this month. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you ever been there? I never have. That's in Utah, right? I don't actually know. Or is it Nevada? It's somewhere out there. I think it's, I think it's Utah. Okay. But if somebody writes in and tells me it's Nevada, that's okay, too. Gotcha. Here's the one that really got me. I was like, there's no way, but it is. The word sabotage comes from French railway workers. So what they would do when they went on strike is they cut the metal sabot, S-A-B-O-T, I don't know how you say it in French, that held the railroad tracks in place. So sabotage is, is comes from striking French railway workers. Wow. I never knew that. And then that's the ticket. I like, I like saying that's the ticket. So I'm glad that that's a, a train one too. <laughs> Here's one that I was thinking about. What is a gravy train? Like, I know why what's, would you actually have a train filled with gravy? I, that one, I don't have any information about like, yeah. What about gravy makes the train more appealing i would not eat gravy that came off of a train maybe gravy here is like a, a just a synonym for like the good stuff the rich stuff you know i don't know yeah yeah well you know they have gravy boats so maybe the mm. gravy train is to land as the gravy boat is to water okay okay yeah okay well uh coach is another good one too a lot of coach stuff from comes okay. from trains but there we go. That was fun. I, I like thinking about how our words come to be. So let's let's try to use as many train-related idioms as we can this month. We've already done a little bit of that, but I'm going to keep it going. 
Okay, well, we'll try to work in more etymology talk yeah. as we go. Anyways, I'm sorry for sabotaging your intro to uh, Train to Busan with that train etymology, that train idiom introduction. All good. I'll try to conduct us onward. Now, this film begins... I guess there's an opening scene where there's discussion that there's some kind of quarantine going on in this like remote corner of the country. There was some kind of leak or something. I, I wasn't really sure what exactly had happened, but there's like a roadblock and a guy in a truck drives up. He's like, oh man, another roadblock. And the dude, as he's driving along, hits a deer. And then we see the deer get up in okay CGI. Like, it's not awful, but it's very clear CGI and gets back on its feet. And now there's this reanimated deer. So, you know, from the jump that something is up. Mm hmm. Yeah. And he's got the signature pale blue eyes, gray eyes. That'll that'll be our cue that somebody has turned. Yeah. Cataract are spooky. They're kind of gnarly. Not quite cataracts but in my dad's family they have a thing runs in the family that uh like the the reflective part at the back of the eye gets kind of occluded like and so it his eyes do this cat thing that like when light hits them the light bounces out oh weird yeah it's like a cat at night which i think is like a risk of i don't know if it's i think what's the one where the eyes get cloudy is that cataracts i'm not sure I think it's cataracts. I think glaucoma is high pressure in the eyes or something. I, I'm i not an optometrist. Anyway, yes, their eyes get gross, and that's how you tell a zombie. Although it's not hard. I mean, they act pretty crazy, too. <laughs> yeah, there's it's never any doubt. But the bulk of the movie is going to be spent with our protagonist. I did write down his name. The credits say it's Suk Woo. And he's played by an actor named Gong Yu. I did recognize this guy, and I'm going to get to why in a second. But he is a workaholic. He's he's just very busy at his job. He is a divorced father raising a young daughter. And he lives in Seoul with the daughter. And because he's always working long hours, he often misses events in his daughter's life. You know, it's like Robin Williams in Hook. I'm sure there's plenty of stories where... The dad can't be there for the kid's ball game. Or in this case, he misses out when she's like singing in a choir recital at school. This is a parenting beat that I have never personally found that sympathetic or relatable. It's like I never feel the urge to go and do work when I could be doing cool stuff with my daughters. It's like, oh, sorry. I I'm even like excited to tell people. Like, guys, I get to, I have to take off because I'm going to go see my daughter do her play at theater camp. So I'm going to be gone from 12 to 2, and I'll tell you what it was like when I get back. It's like, I don't know. But, you know, I do think there's there's something there in terms of, like, the balance between how do you provide for your family but also, like, be a compassionate presence. But it really just seems like he's kind of lazy and job-focused. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's got to learn to be more present in the lives of those that matter to him. Mm -hmm. And so he's divorced. The ex-wife lives down in Busan at the other end of the state. 
and the daughter has been in communication with the mom and says that she wants to go down and spend her birthday, which is the next day from where we start with the mom down in Busan, and she's going to have to take the train to get there. So she kind of guilt trips the dad into taking her down there on the train. And it's clearly like my birthday wish is mommy and daddy get back together is like the driving element of this. Yeah. And the mother of the dad. So the grandmother is like, well, you're going down there and you're going to see your wife and you better patch things up. Mm -hmm. So that's like an added element of a story thread that's going to have to get dealt with. Potentially, if this stayed a straight drama. But we know we're in genre territory already here. The deer told us, yeah. Yeah. But at this point, I'll say I was thinking about Squid Game. Because Squid Game is pretty much one of the only pieces of Korean media I've watched in addition to Parasite. But there are some strong connections here at the start with Squid Game in specific. Because this actor, Gong Yu, is in Squid Game. Mm. He plays the recruiter who signs people up to play the Squid Game. But also this opening scene is very similar to the first episode of Squid Game. Because in that show, the protagonist is a divorced father who has a daughter. In that case, the daughter is living with the mother and a new stepdad. But the dad, the protagonist, is feeling the pinch of, like, not being the kind of man he's expected to be in Korean society. And uh, in that case, he actually lives with his mom, and the mom is like, you need to get your life together. You need to put your family back together. And that's the jumping-off point of the story. So I was definitely seeing parallels. You were thinking of Squid Game, as you often do. Yes. If it's not Breaking Bad, it's Squid Game. <laughs> or sometimes that O.J. Simpson docudrama from 2015. <laughs> Those are my three 8 out of 8 TV shows from the past decade. But Sukwu, the dad, is one over. And so the next morning finds him and the daughter, whose name is Sue Ann, at the train station in Seoul. And from here on out, it's going to be train content all the way. Lots of trains. Mostly one train, I guess. Right. And so they get on this train to Busan and they take their seats and we're starting to meet a small group of characters we're going to get acquainted with and who are going to survive at least for a little while. But just before the doors close on the train... A woman runs in, clearly on her journey to being a zombie. She's, like, bitten on the leg or something, and she sprints in just behind the conductor guy so he doesn't see her. And she, like, barricades herself in the bathroom, and the train gets on its way. So, Dan, I know you got a brother who lives in Japan. Do you have any experience with those fast asian trains uh no i mean i don't personally i have never visited my brother in japan and at this point it's 
not really feasible that I would go out and see him. It really was not the best timing to go out and see him because when he was first there, he left like something like less than a month after my first daughter was born. And now he's going to be wrapping up uh, by the end of the summer. And hey, like right after my (laughs) daughter turned three, well, okay, a little before that we had our second and then, oh, we went into quarantine. And I guess I maybe could have fi- tried to figure out how to go in the past year. But, Will, uh, sorry that I never made it out to Japan. It's, I actually legitimately do regret that I, I didn't. I don't think I could at this point because you're coming back this summer. But I do know that it's a big part of his life in terms of getting from place to place. And, like, when my family, not including me, went to go visit, like, my parents and my sister, I think, you know, he would take the train from where he was, the, the village he was lived in down to Tokyo. And like, that's how you got from city to city was just, you took the big train. That's what you did. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. In Japan, they have the Shinkansen, the bullet train. And I think this train we're on in this movie is pretty similar to that high speed rail. I don't know too, too much about it. I know that proponents of public transit here in America are like, why does everybody drive cars? Why don't we have the fast trains? And I can't really answer that. It's not something I've ever clamored for, but I mean, I guess seems like they make use of it. It seems to work out all right. Anyhow, this is something called the KTX. It's like the Korean Express, and it's a high-speed rail train. This group of characters we get to meet that we have the sense will survive for a while and we'll have to see how long their plot armor lasts. Uh, There's a few of them. There's this couple, a married couple, uh, maybe recently married, but the wife is pregnant. And so the husband is handling her with kid gloves There's this, like, high school baseball team, and the baseball player we spend the most time with has a girlfriend who's always clinging to him. Was she on the team? I thought she was at first, but then I figured that probably didn't actually make sense. She was just a girlfriend. Right. I think there was a mention that she's a cheerleader, Mm. but I don't know if the cheerleaders go to the baseball games. I wasn't really clear because she comes and like joins with the baseball players like she's not there at the very start but then she walks in and she's like grabbing onto the guy and he's kind of acting reluctant i don't know how far along their relationship was prior to this but pretty soon they're gonna bond yeah also i didn't know baseball was big in korea i didn't even realize it was baseball at first it took me a little bit i started to think about it and then at some point we see a bunch of baseballs fall out of one of their bags i was like okay definitely is baseball Right. So a couple of things about that. I knew it was big in Japan. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Korea specifically, but it makes sense because baseball got big in Japan after America occupied Japan. It's like okay. once there was an American presence in the wake of World War II, certain elements of American culture got big in Japan, like baseball, like Disney. Mm. Um, And the same thing essentially happened in Korea when America occupied there during the Korean War in the early 50s. So, like, Christianity is really big in South Korea. I know that. Yeah, 
There's a lot of Korean churches in Northern Virginia where we live. Right. So I imagine that baseball is probably part of that same deal. Gotcha. There's this pair of elderly sisters who are on the train that we're going to spend some time with. These two actually made me laugh. Just the intro for reasons unrelated to the movie itself. But the way we meet them is they're shucking a hard boiled egg and eating the egg. And first of all, eggs, they're just like amusing. The word egg is funny and they're like aesthetically kind of funny. I like eggs. I mean, I don't actually like eggs, but I like the meta egg. I like when there are eggs there. It's like an arrested development that whenever they talk about eggs, particularly in context of Anne, the plain girlfriend, I'm always cracking up. <laughs> but in the most recent My Brother, My Brother and Me episode, or it, it's one of the most recent, if not the most recent. And I only know because they started doing little video clips. I don't listen to their whole episodes anymore, but they released one or two video clips per episode. And the most recent one was they were debating where's the best place to eat a hard-boiled egg if you have to do it out in public. And one of the brothers, Travis, said, on a bus. And they were giving him a hard time. It's like, it's the equivalent of doing a really smelly fart on the bus or something like that. And so when we have someone shucking open a a hard-boiled egg in the middle of the train, like a day after I watched that clip, I was laughing pretty hard. (laughs) I might have to send that to you, Brian. That is funny. I guess they do kind of have an aroma, but I love hard-boiled eggs. Oh, you do? Yeah. I eat them all the time. I could almost do like in Cool Hand Luke, you know. I could eat about 50 hard-boiled eggs. Now, that would make me really sick, but I could get on a good chunk of the way there. You could pull a Gaston? Yeah. Uh, they're they're really tasty. I'm glad that we're heading into Easter season here pretty soon, and I'll have an excuse to eat even more than my regular amount. But uh, in addition to this uh, group that we've mentioned so far... There's a few others. There's this rich business guy. I don't know. He says he's the uh, COO. So what is that? Chief of operations of some firm. And he's like very in a hurry. He's, you know, always got his watch out and he's trying to rush people along. And why aren't you focusing on me? So we know this guy's going to be trouble. Probably not going to make it to the end of the movie either. Yeah. Yeah. We, we want to see him get his comeuppance at some point. And then there's the train staff that we're going to see periodically. Uh, The main ones, the guy who's like, he's listed on Wikipedia as an attendant. I thought of him as the conductor because he's the guy putting the people on the train. He's got this slick sky blue jacket. I want a jacket like that. (laughs) And then up at the front of the train, we see the driver. I like that we spent so much time with the engineer driving the train. Because it it really made me feel kind of like Titanic, which one of the things that I've come to appreciate about that movie, another one I talk about all the time, uh, is how it really like gives you a good sense of how the whole vehicle is run. Like you're seeing all levels of the crew. You're seeing the guys down in the boiler room. You're seeing the uh, like the captain and the people who work that little lever thing that gives everybody the instructions like full steam ahead or turn left and how that message goes all through the ship here it's the same thing but with the train it's like you kind of see the whole operation do you have any interest in going to see the uh titanic re-release brian i definitely do dan and (laughs) i was going to invite you but i thought you might take your wife 
So <laughs> we're, we're here, you know, a couple days out from Valentine's Day and the return of Titanic is looming. Uh, so I didn't want to impose, but if you are interested, I would love to see the 3D re-release of Titanic with you. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I would like to go see it at some point, but yeah, um, it could be good before it before it leaves from the re-release. I'm I'm interested. I did okay. see it on the big screen back in 2012 for the centennial of the sinking. Um, but I want you to get that experience too. Yeah, I want to see it too. I think is I don't know if it's only 3D, but I know it is 3D. It's pretty cool. That scene at the start when the submersible is going through the windows, that was pretty cool in 3D. But, okay, cheapened a little bit because, like, it's it wasn't filmed in 3D. No, it? no, it wasn't. So it's like some computer engineer took the footage and was like, this is probably what the depth was. Right. And I imagine it still looks very cool. Like, you get the sensation that you're underwater and stuff. I believe that for sure. Yeah, and I mean, quite a few movies have gotten that treatment over the years where they got revisited. Um, I haven't seen a whole bunch of them, but, like, they did that with The Phantom Menace... They did it with Lion King, which I don't even understand how they did that, because that's a 2D animated movie. Whoa, hand-drawn animation. Yeah. I actually have the Blu-ray for that one, though, so I gotta check it out. I, I just have never popped it in. But we're getting off topic. So we've met our key players here, and just about once we've finally met them all, this is when now the girl busts out of the bathroom and is zombified. Uh, I guess one other person is hiding in a different bathroom. There is a mysterious homeless dude. I didn't know what this dude's deal was. I thought he was going to be secretly infected about six times. Yeah, I thought he was going to be zombie one, except we had already seen the girl run in and she hid in the bathroom too. So it was very confusing. It's like, we know a zombie's going to bust out of the bathroom, but is it going to be her? Or is it going to be him? And it's her. It was the girl. Yeah. And... These zombies, not only do they move fast, they turn fast. Except for that one girl at the start, for some reason. It took her, you know, 20 minutes. Well, no, because there's an explanation for that. Is she applied a tourniquet to where her bite was. Oh, okay. So, like, ostensibly, that's like keeping the blood, the infected blood, from getting to her, her body. Okay. But, yeah, it still takes several minutes, whereas the other ones are, like, eight seconds. So even, that doesn't really stand up to scrutiny. Like, at that point... She would have already turned by the time she found a tourniquet piece and got on the train and started doing it and stuff. Right. Well, yeah, I guess in the spirit of devil's advocate, that was a good argument. You know, some of them are getting bit like on the neck. And so maybe that is like immediately going through all their blood, whereas she was bit on the leg. And like later we see people bit on the hand and they don't turn for a while. So maybe so. Maybe it is thought out. But very soon, there are many zombies, and they're tearing each other up in the train cars, which is a very narrow environment. And, like, in a train car, you've got that one narrow walkway down the middle of the seats. And it's like, so if you got zombies in a train seat on one side or on the other or on both sides, it's like, how are you going to go down that narrow path? It's not going to be easy. Plus, these are fast zombies. So, immediately pretty perilous. And I like it when they turn, they get like kind of this herky-jerky spasm thing, but it's only a little bit diminished because they don't have much space to move laterally. It's like they're kind of all compressed. And so when they do their spasmy thing, it made me think of 
bloodbending in Avatar The Last Airbender when, I don't know if you remember that, but like the waterbenders, if they get real angry and nasty, they can manipulate manipulate your body with uh, their waterbending skills. Spoilers, if you haven't seen that, it's a great moment when you see a music for the first time. Yeah, it kind of makes a similar sound too. But that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a thing in Asian horror more broadly, like the ring girl kind of does some of that stuff. You know, where she's like crawling along the floor and it's making that cracking sound. Like weird body angles, yeah. Yeah, it comes comes in uh, the grudge movies as well. A lot of joints going ways they shouldn't and making like groaning, cracking noises. But the main group that we've met so far, they're like further towards the front of the train from where the breakout happens. And so they're able to kind of cluster together and close and barricade the door in between the cars so the zombies can only make it up to a certain point. And pretty quickly they find out that if they block the zombies' sight, it can make the zombies chill out for a while. Like, I guess they're like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park or something. It's if they don't see you, they're not going to come after you. Well, I think it's more like a toddler, or not a toddler, like a baby, a one-year-old, with object permanence. Because if they see you or hear you, then you exist to their senses, so they know where you are and they know that you're a thing. But as soon as they cannot sense you, you don't exist anymore. But if they hear you or if they see you, then they know that you're there. Apparently they can't smell because they're like, oh, if you hold really still when it's dark, they don't know that you're there, you know? Right. Even if they're like feet away from you. Mm-hmm. So they get to rest on their laurels for a little while in this train car and talk about what they're going to do. Meanwhile, people are getting news reports on their phones and their laptops that reveal that this is going on all over the country, it sounds like, or it's, it's spreading. I guess it starts around where they were in Seoul and it's moving south, just like the train is moving south. And so there's discussion like, are we going to stop at the train stops or do we just keep going? And this made me think that actually being on a fast train is not the worst place to be in a zombie world. It's like it's a fast moving vehicle that people outside the train aren't going to be able to get on the train. So there are worse places you could be. Especially once they figure out that basically they just got to close the door. Oh, okay. No zombies. We close the door on the zombies and they can't see us. So we're safe, you know? Yeah. Not so bad. That's how they get around the slow, the vast versus slow zombie introduce the human drama element here. Right. But eventually word comes to the engineer that, okay, the station that's in like the middle of Korea, like halfway down that's safe. We got a military barricade and you can stop your train and come and we'll protect you. And they say, okay, that's what we'll do. You know, we'll skip, skip the next few stops. We'll get there and then we'll get off the train. But when they get there, you know, they, they walk up to like a group of military dudes and then the military guys turn around and, oh no, they're zombies. Everybody run. Everybody get back on the train. And this is where I was, you know, every zombie movie, or at least every zombie movie that follows the lineage of <clears throat> Night of the Living Dead has a strong political element at its core. And I was trying to determine what it was. It's not especially like sharp or clever here. It's basically like the dad's a hedge fund manager. And I think it's basically doing the, the big time institutions are ripping off the little people. 
and I think the military being a part of the things that are messing with the little people, that kind of fits in there because you have the whole military industrial complex and the military contractors. I don't know how much of a thing that is in Korea compared to the U.S. Probably is there too, but that's what I was thinking of when this happened. Yeah, and zombies with guns is kind of cool too. Did they? I can't remember. Did they end up shooting them? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think the zombies ever used the guns, but. There's definitely uh, another thing is like zombies with armor on. They never actually kill a zombie in this movie. So we don't know if they can be killed. They, they never really try. They're such a big threat that it's just like you really got to just stay away from them. And they turn while they're alive. Yeah, except for that deer at the start. So I don't know exactly how it works, but it, it really seems. Yeah, like the majority, at least, if not every one of the humans becomes a zombie once they're bitten. But yeah, it's like a process that happens while you're alive. And I thought it was funny. The little girl is like, Daddy, they're zombies. And at first he's like, no, they're not. And then it's like, well, eh. So it's not even doing a cute thing where it's pretending to be anything other than zombies. They're just zombies. Mm-hmm. That is something that annoys me in works of fiction when the world has zombies appear and everybody acts like they've never heard of what a zombie is before. Like yeah. you get that in Walking Dead and they start calling them walkers and stuff. And it's like no zombie pop culture existed in this world prior to the outbreak. Seems a little infeasible. It's always interesting when you you have something that uses a well-trod mechanism. Like when we were talking about time loops, there's a one that we didn't watch as part of our time loop month, but it's called the Map of Tiny Perfect Things that came out right around the time we were doing that. And one thing I liked about that is that existed in a post-Groundhog Day world. So they could talk about Groundhog Day things. And I was like, okay, this I like this is how I would think about it too if I was in a time. Yeah, I like that. I think it did get mentioned in one of the ones we watched. Um maybe Palm, Palm Springs. Springs. Yeah. Yeah. I could I couldn't remember whether or not it was. Happy Death Day it was too. Anyways, go on. So they got off the train and they had to hurry back on the train, only now they're split up into several different cars. And remember that a lot of the cars have zombies sealed inside them. So now they are all on the same train, but they've got zombies in between them. And like all the women or three of the four women all got trapped in one spot. And so it's like one of the old sisters and the daughter and the pregnant wife are all trapped in a bathroom in one car. And then like all the hero dudes are trapped in a different car. And then everybody else who's still alive is trapped in a third car. <laughs> yeah. This actually is kind of funny because offline, Brian, we were talking about the Crudes DreamWork Animation duology. And I actually just watched the second Crudes movie today. And that one, like this one, has a significant set piece where it's the boys and the girls are separated. And the Crudes is doing much more on playing on gender roles than this one does. But this one does a little bit. But... I was, it's funny how you, you had Crude's train to Basan synergy here. Yes. So the men are going to have the opportunity to bond as they go to rescue the women. And it is the dad, our main character, and the husband of the pregnant wife and the cool baseball boy. And they're, they've all decided they are going to work together and they are going to fight through the train cars because they've had a phone conversation with the daughter and they know what car she's in and that they got to go fight their way there to, to get them out. So they go gradually and they do that 
and there's uh, some close calls they they make use of the tunnels because like it'll periodically get dark and then the zombies are more docile Uh, but they get there they achieve their objective and everybody is together again of this group then they make the decision that they are going to fight through more cars and get to where everybody else is barricaded I feel like they didn't necessarily need to do this. Yeah. What were they gaining from that? Yeah. It's like, just go back to where the men were before. I guess maybe they figure either way they go, they're going to have to fight through some zombies. So it's like, you could be at one car that's safe or the other car that's safe. And maybe it's not as far to keep going forward as to go back. But anyway, they decide that they're going to go meet up with the big car. That's full of like a bunch of people. And so they get up there, and the asshole guy is like, no, don't let them on. They could be infected. Even though we've seen how quick these guys turn, and I don't know, it's like pretty obvious when somebody is infected. There's not a whole lot of people hiding their wounds in this one. Agreed, yeah. That's one thing that's missing when when you turn this fast is... You, you lose some of the better beats from your typical zombie movie. The, the person who's bit doesn't know they're bit. Um, we do get one of them that I was thinking this was going to rule out the someone's about to turn and they need to uh, either some, a loved one needs to kill them or they need to sacrifice themselves. We managed to get enough of that in this, even with the fast turning zombies. Yeah, but. yeah. I feel like they dealt with the spectrum of possible conditions fairly well. We get, you know, a lot of variables explored. But in this squabble, this argument over, are we going to let them into the car or are we not going to let them into the car? We start losing important people. Like the plot armor has worn out. So one of the old sisters gets eaten and the husband of the pregnant woman, he he bites it too. I like that guy. That guy was, uh, I thought he was funny. I was trying to think, like, what's the American equivalent of this guy? But it's someone who's funny, but also kind of self-deprecating. And he's kind of got a dad bod, so he's not, like, super uh, hunky or buff. And he, But he definitely had the charisma. And I was rooting for him, but you had a good sense that he was one of those guys who was going to have a sad death, you know? Yeah, I, I was a little surprised. I mean, I thought more of the people would make it out of this movie than end up making it out. Oh, really? Yeah. Actually, now that you bring it up, that makes me think of one other zombie movie we watched, which was Anna and the Apocalypse. And that one similarly surprised me when people died out of the blue that I thought were going to make it to the end or like to the final scene. Like the the, romant- the boy romantic interest friend who you think is going to be the end game he's like all of a sudden a zombie reaches out like out of the blue and kills him like right after he's confessed his love (laughs) that one surprised me yep but most of the gang makes it into the big crowded car and the rich dude who's got the conductor blue jacket guy is kind of his toady who's following all his commands says well, you, you made it in here, but you can't stay here. You guys got to keep moving. Keep moving. Get out of our car. Move on to the next car. Just keep going. And, you know, they kind of groan and argue, but they keep moving on into the next car. And, like, as soon as they get into that next car, the 
sister, the old sister who's left, hops up because she sees her zombie sister in the other car and just opens that door right on up. After all that, it's like, oh, we had this whole thing about who we can let in and who we can't let in. And we finally were in a state of stasis. And she just I mean, I guess you're distressed when you see your your own family turned. But like just opens the door. Way to go, Grandma. <laughs> I feel like they should have been paying a little more attention. She wasn't moving very fast. They could have just been like, um, don't go over there. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, now there's just this huge bloodbath. Everybody in the car, it seems, is gone. Um, we'll see. We'll check in with them later and see if that's really the case. But it's it's gnarly really fast. And good thing our heroes just happened to have moved into the next car. Right. And that's what I was thinking is like, you're going to go into that small further away from the zombies room. That's also barricaded. I was like, yeah, okay. Count me in. <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. No zombies in that one. Um, a while later, the train encounters a blockage on the track. And luckily where this is, is like a huge depot with a bunch of trains, like all side to side. And now the engineer really comes into his own. He comes out and he's like, Hey guys, there's a bunch of trains here. I'm going to go get us another train. And then once I've got that up and running, you guys come and run across and you join me. Okay. And I don't know. I'd never really thought about the process of driving a train before. I'd, I'd never thought of it as a thing that you could just like hop out of one and hop into another and continue on down the road like a car. But yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess you can. Like, do they have keys? I don't know how. I don't know how that works. I, I feel like they, there's some mechanism. Yeah, but here it's it is interesting because now you have all these potential trains and it's like, which one's going to work, you know? Mm hmm. And you get you get a couple of beats of like <laughs> this actually made me laugh out loud. Uh, it's the engineer, I guess. He's he's like the first one out, and he hops into one train, and there's a bunch of zombies. He's like, nope. He nopes right out <laughs> through the next side and goes to the next train. It was it was kind of funny. Yep. But meanwhile, back in the car where they just had the bloodbath, we see that the two most important characters who were in there are still alive the villain guy and his toady mr blue jacket are crammed into the bathroom like they made that move pretty fast i don't know if we saw them do that but it's they've got their best self-interest at heart so they did what it took to still be alive and <laughs> this mr selfish coo uses the train grunt as a human shield. He just shoves him out into the aisle and <laughs> rushes past him as he's getting eaten um, because he saw the engineer get out of the train and he like runs off after him to hopefully go get on whatever the new train's going to be. <laughs> and as he's running along, he manages to murk like three other survivors. He's just like, grabs the cheerleader, grabs a bunch of people, and is just, like, tossing them left and right as human shields so that he can endure. Very abrupt. It almost made me think of... I feel like there's moments like this in Parasite where it's, like, the crazy guy running along and just we're losing collateral. Yeah, 
this one, it felt a little more abrupt. I think this movie also suffers just a little bit from its pacing. I don't know if there's a way to avoid this kind of pacing in a zombie movie, but you basically have a flurry of action and then you kind of have a stasis. And here I kept thinking when I wasn't looking at the time bar that like, okay, we just made it through like the last rush and there's going to be maybe another stinger, but we're basically at the end of the movie. There was like five times I thought this movie was done and then it kept going. And when we got to the depot, I thought we were pretty much at the end, but we still had a whole like half hour left at that. Yeah. Yeah, because the train's got to get to Busan. We're not at Busan yet. That's true. And as you said, I had no understanding of Korean geography. I was like, well, how far is that? Where is Busan? <laughs> when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? When are we going to get to Busan? Yeah. But we we still have a few characters left, Dan, so we got to run, run out the clock, run out the body count before we get to the end. And so the crazy guy, Mr. Bad Dude, is running around knocking folks off to survive and something happens that uh the the other folks get off the train and they're kind of making their way across the depot but the train they're next to gets derailed it like gets hit by another car that's coming the wrong way or something and so they're like stranded under a tipped over train the homeless dude sacrifices himself so that like the three main main characters can get away the dad and the daughter and the pregnant lady and so finally the last couple people are making their way over to this other safe train and man even the engineer doesn't make it out he is like trying to help the bad guy and so he like walks up to him like hey man you only have to come a little further to get here onto the safe train and the the bad dude like grabs him and throws him you know in the path of the zombies and (laughs) i mean i guess to be fair devil's advocate again the engineer was up in the front of the train the whole time so he didn't get to see what this guy's been up to he doesn't know how he operates right doesn't know his mo yeah right and so now it's like, well, fuck, they're all doomed because the guy who knew how to drive a train is dead. So what are they even going to do? But our our trio of good folks climb aboard this new train only to be ambushed by the villain who has been bitten. Like we kind of thought that he had been bitten because he there, he there was a scuffle where it was him and the engineer and a zombie, but it wasn't 100% clear but he is well on his way to zombification. He's like 90% of the way there, but even though he has clouded over zombie eyes, he can still talk. I I thought this was kind of cool. Yeah, he was like, he had a slightly slower turn, but you could like see it happening in real time. Whereas other people, it was like a light switch, you know? Right. I thought it was kind of neat and worked with his character because he's so hell-bent on making sure that he survives. So, like, even when he's turning, he's, like, fighting it. He's like, no, I need to get home. I need to get to the business meeting tomorrow. I need you to help me not be a zombie. And they're like, no, dude, it's done. You're done. But before he goes, before he is out of the movie, he bites the hero dad. Yeah. The hero dad gets bit. Right here at the very end. Oh, man. Seems like they've made it safe. He was so close. 
That was a bummer. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. It got me. I I thought just the cadence of it, like the way that it was showing, oh, phew, we made it to safety. Okay, we're going to go. I was like, uh-oh. This is, they wouldn't have this, this last calm built in this way if there wasn't going to be one more gut punch. But it was more, actually more than one gut punch. Well, it was kind of a continuous one because, yes, he gets bitten. It's not the biting that gets me. It's what happens after that here. So when he he do you want to describe it or should I? No, you can you can say a little more. You know, he I guess because he's got he's the hero. He's got plot armor. He has just enough time to get the pregnant woman and his daughter into the the car, the into the the place where you drive the train. Yeah, it's the cab of the locomotive and he puts them up in there and he gives them like a. I guess he kind of knows how to drive a train for some reason. Yeah, he knows how to drive the train. What the <laughs> heck? He just says, okay, pull this lever and that'll drive the train. And that one there is the brake. When did you learn that? <laughs> <laughs> Very convenient. And then he needs to leave and he needs to basically lock his daughter in because his daughter doesn't want him to go out because it's her daddy. And she maybe knows, maybe doesn't know that he's something bad's about to happen to him. But... He, like, needs to push her away and close the door, and she's, like, scrabbling, trying to get the door open and screaming at the top of her lungs, and the pregnant lady's trying to, like, hold her from the doorway. And this was, like, the most gut-wrenching part of the movie for me. This was devastating for me. Really intense acting by the little girl. Like, she's really going for it. Yeah. And obviously, I'm susceptible to young daughter, daddy drama, but this one got me real bad so the dad he i think they've uncoupled the locomotive from the rest of the train so it's just this one little car and he's sitting out there by the like the arm rail and you know he's got it kind of dangling his legs and like thinking pensively as he's facing death and he's got this chain wrapped around him to like i guess keep him from going anywhere but then he has like his life flash before his eyes and he's thinking back on like, you know, the missed opportunities and everything he's done and not done. His daughter's birth. This actually had me wondering. It was the first time we had obviously seen from the perspective of someone turning. And it made me wonder, it's like normally you think of zombieism as like just a cruel, painful thing, but maybe it just clouds their brain and they like, are living in a peaceful bliss like they're, it's like they're stoned or something right it's like it's like going to sleep in the snow yeah but or maybe that like you said it was just his life flashing before his eyes before he went into agony right but it was kind of nice and then his eyes cloud over and he drops off the back of the train with this chain still tied to him so maybe he's just dragged apart as the train goes who knows oh god but lo and behold, the train gets to Busan, gets down to the end of the Korean peninsula, and the little girl and the pregnant lady get off the train because they come to like another roadblock, end of the line, and they walk down through this tunnel. They don't know how it's going to turn out. And then we cut, we see that actually the military is successfully protecting the city. They're making this last stand here, and some people at least are still alive, some soldiers. And we wonder for a second, is it going to end up like Night of the Living Dead? 
Mm-hmm. Because they pull out their guns and they're like, oh, somebody's coming. Somebody's walking towards us. Are they a zombie? I'm going to go ahead and say no, because they're walking. Yeah, I will say it's framed in such a way that it's like a weird shadowy light. And they could be, you're right. It's like, they look more like a normal zombie because they're kind of like, you know, they're tired and they're beat up. So they're like kind of walking trudgy, dragging their feet a little bit. So if it were a normal zombie... Yeah, but I guess the zombies we see here, they don't do the slow trudgy thing. Right. Although I guess you could say maybe they don't see the humans yet, and we know that they're slow if they don't see the humans. So That's true. Yeah. But what cues the soldiers in that these are real people is the daughter starts singing, and it's the song that she couldn't sing earlier when the dad wasn't there at her recital. So it's like a final little... Nice, touching moment. She remembers the dad. Her spirit is embiggened. <laughs> Another knife twist for me, too, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, pretty nice, pretty nice, poignant ending. And they've made it here to this junction where the survivors are making a stand. You haven't seen Baz Luhrmann's um, Australia, have you? No, I haven't. That one has a motif of a kid singing somewhere over the rainbow. It actually has a lot of uh, Wizard of Oz echoes in it. But I was thinking of that because just like that, there's a key moment where a little kid singing a song we've heard a couple of times is like one of the last twists of the movie. Oh. Somebody recognizing that. So. And you know, sometimes they call Australia Oz. Oh, there you go. Wow. I didn't even think about that and how that's connected. Man, that feels super obvious. No, but you know who's in that movie is Hugh Jackman, which means I got to see it at some point. And Nicole Kidman. Yeah. That's my sleeper pick for an outstanding Baz Luhrmann movie. I, that might actually be my favorite by him, which most people have it either at the bottom or a second from the bottom. If you look at people's Baz Luhrmann ratings, but, rankings, but I, I really like Australia. I think it's like this lovely, huge, epic, kind of campy movie. Yeah, I'd be down... I think the only Boz Lerman movie I've actually watched is Romeo plus Juliet, and I don't have very strong feelings about it. Gotcha. It was fine. It was a decent telling of the story. I, I watched all his movies in prep for Elvis. Oh, cool. I mean to watch Great Gatsby at some point. My brother saw it and recommended it, but I haven't seen it. That's actually my least favorite of his. I feel like it didn't translate that well. I mean... I I have some great Gatsby thoughts. I don't think the story itself is even that good. Okay. Uh, it's the story of like, you know, a nice guy loser. He's like, why doesn't Daisy love me? Why doesn't she come to my party? And it's like, she's married, dude, move on. But also <laughs> I found out that the whole thing is like a true life story of F. Scott Fitzgerald being salty. So I don't have much sympathy for him or his novella. Interesting. We could talk Gatsby sometime. That would be fun. Yeah, we should. But for right now, this is train month. Yeah. Maybe we should have Australia month at some point. I've been trying to oh. think what my month of the year is going to be, and I haven't settled on it yet, but I feel like that might have potential. Throw that in the mix, yeah. So that is Train to Busan from 2016. You know, Brian, the real Busan was the friends we made along the way. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that means to make a Busan. Who knows? Before this movie, we didn't even know what Busan was. So we're learning things. 
Busan was in our hearts all along. Yeah. I learned, actually, that there's a sequel to this movie. It's called Peninsula. It came out in 2020. But unfortunately, Dan, it's not a train movie. Oh, bummer. Did you know? So that's by the same director. He also made a prequel. Did you know that? I did not know that. And that one's animated. Whoa. He made an animated prequel called Soul Station. Okay, so there's probably maybe some trains in that one. Uh, I don't know. I didn't look good. If it's got station in the title, I'm going to say it's a good chance. That's a good point. Probably. But we'll, we'll have to check it out and see. So, Dan, talking points. Things that you noticed about the movie that stuck with you, good or bad? What are your thoughts before we rate? Yeah, so I, I thought the action in this was, was good. I thought it was pretty exciting and not too repetitive, given that the mechanics were kind of simple. At first, I was kind of annoyed that they left the train. I was like, this would have been interesting if we had just taken the train from start to finish. But then I realized that that kind of gave us a little more variety in the action the couple of times that we got off the train. And it is pretty like visceral and intense as it's going, but it's like not gory and grimy for the sake of it. Like it's actually in some ways a slightly less gory zombie movie, a more action oriented zombie movie, I thought. And I thought it, uh, sustain the action pretty well, but I do think it suffers from, like I said, the pacing. It just is a little too long. It's like two hours. I think you could have easily trimmed at least 15 minutes, if not more, maybe even like close to a half hour off of it. Maybe have chop off one or two of the episodes, uh, like when they uh, get off and they find the army, but then they have to get back on or something like that. Or Sorry, they get off and they encounter the military and then they have to get back on the train and stuff. I feel like you, you easily could have tightened it a little bit um that said i did like the last five or ten minutes pretty well but i don't know those were some of my high level thoughts and i like that it was on a train you know it's train month good things on a train get better when they're on a train if it's train month <laughs> yeah so i i pretty much am on the same page i think it was important that they got off and got back on because that was an excuse to split them up i think they were probably writing it and realized okay, well, they're safe in this car and they're all together. So if we don't change anything, they're just going to stay in the same car until the train gets where it's going. So we need to introduce some other source of conflict. So yeah, they had to find a way to spread them up through the train. My idea for that was keep them contained and basically like they're breaking through one car at a time. And the goal is like, can they get to... Busan before they run out of train cars that the zombies have kind of broken into. And then you could have like each one be almost like a little puzzle. Like how can we keep them out this time or something? But they decided to obviously not do that. They like reset it so that they're, they had a totally different layout or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I thought that would have been cool is, is so one movie we haven't mentioned is at least today is Snowpiercer, which is another Korean action movie on a train from the mid to late 2010s. And that one has more of like progressing through the trains, but it has like more fantastical stuff in which in each one, it's not a zombie movie, but it has action across train cars. And I guess I just had that on the mind that it could have been interesting if like, it was more about the zombies gradually progressing and kind of, can they make it in time to Basan? That's what I thought it was going to be right when it, wait, when the zombies broke out. 
I was expecting at some point somebody would get up on top of the train. Oh, man. I was waiting for that to happen, but it never did. Good call. You're right. Spider-Man 2 up, up in there. Right. Or um, I was also thinking of Polar Express. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good call. I... That's not going to be a, a movie in our train month, even though we led up to it with Robert Zemeckis retrospective. Could have been our transition. Yeah. But that's a very trainy one, you know, mm-hmm. and it definitely explores all the parts of the train. They, I think they even like go under the train. I don't know. There's there's lots of train exploration. Uh, decent amount of train exploration here, which actually that's my next talking point, Dan. How trainy was this train movie? Very trainy. Absolutely. Yeah. Train in the title. They're on a train by minute 15. They're on a train until the last scene. Variety of train type stuff. You got train characters. You got the conductor. You got the engineer. You're right that it maybe doesn't take full advantage of the different mechanics of the train in terms of like getting on the ceiling or not the ceiling, the roof of the the train, but it's pretty trainy. Yeah, it comes close. I mean, we have the whole scene at the train depot, switching trains, you know, runaway trains, derailed trains. A lot of like closing and opening of train doors too. Right. We got an uncoupling, but... Dan, you made a pretty bold claim at the beginning of our month. Mm -hmm. Like, before we even talked about what the movie was, you declared Brief Encounter to be the ultimate train movie, I believe was your Mm -hmm. wording. So, is that claim wavering at all for you yet here in the month? So, we did tease out that claim a little bit. I think that one is the best use of train as a symbol and is also the best movie that is a train movie that I've seen. So in those ways, I think it remains ultimate. I don't think, like, this, the train itself is mostly just the setting. Like, it doesn't really care about what the train means all that much. Maybe there's a little bit of class stuff in there, but it's basically just a cool setting for a cool train thing. And it definitely does a lot more with things happening on the train itself than Brief Encounter. So if I'm going to kind of give you a half-assed answer... This one is more train action oriented than than Brief Encounter. Like things happen on a train, but Brief Encounter is still if you're going to have train as a symbol, that's the peak for me. So I you know what, I'm still giving the crown to to Brief Encounter. This one gets gets close, but it's it's still Brief Encounter for me. Fair enough. We're only halfway through the month. I just want to chip away at the mortar a little bit. I want to yeah, loosen you from your mooring. I had no strong connection to Brief Encounter in as much as it laid claim to Ultimate Train Movie. This movie is extremely train-related. It's very trainy. Mm-hmm. Just constantly trains beginning to end. They are on the train much more than they were in Brief Encounter. Definitely. Um, but we got more stops to make before the month is over, so I am not married to any specific train film as of yet. But if you're looking for a very train-filled film, listeners, this might just give you a lot of bang for your buck. Lots of zombies and lots of trains in this zombie train film. All right, hold on. I'm going to pull up the train idioms to see if I can do one more in there. Would you So you say this one makes the grade, Brian? <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. It makes the grade. That's the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. We got some tunnel vision on trains this month. So are you ready to say, Dan, whether Train to Busan is good? 
Sure. So Is It Good is our signature section where we each give the movie a rating on our eight-point goodness scale ranging from very not good, which is our one out of eight score, up to our masterpiece rating, tour to good, train to good, an eight out of eight. So Brian, you recommended the movie, so I will go first on the Is It Good rating. And so Is Train to Busan Good? When the movie started and for the first hour, I was feeling pretty pretty solid on my six. This was a very good train movie because it's very exciting. And then towards the second half of the movie, I, I just felt myself kind of worn out on it a little bit. It was a little too long, a little too much start and then stop of the action. And then the dad has to sacrifice himself and it was an ultimate gut punch. And that barely inched it over the very good line. So I'm going to give this one a very gentle, very good um, I, I think it's exciting. I think it's well done. I think if you like train movies or if you like zombie movies, it's a must see if you're into either of those subgenres. And I don't know if it goes above and beyond what you would expect zombies on a train to be. It's basically that. Um, so I can't give it any higher than that or even like a high, very good, but it's barely into very good territory for me, Brian. What about you? Well, Dan, I'm right there with you. One of these days, we'll get another movie like As I Was Moving Ahead that'll split us up, but it's not this day. I really couldn't have said it better than you, and I'm not going to say it very different from you. This one is a low six for me. I feel like I've been giving out a lot of sixes lately. It's like if I like it, it gets a six. If I don't like it, it gets a one. So I, I want to try to be a little more even-handed than that. You know, maybe... Maybe Brief Encounter is just into the high five for me, but I, I gave it a six. I stand by that. Um, similarly, this one, it, it's just into the six. But I, I really think, as you said, it's a good train movie and a good zombie movie. And it's, for me, it was consistent in quality. It was like there was always action-y train stuff happening. The zombies were a threat. You know, we'd get a little bit of a breather, but they always had some business to deal with. Um, yeah, maybe it could have been shortened a bit, but you get that emotional ending. I didn't think the dad was going to die, and he, he did, and it was a gut punch. I want to know what happens next. I, I may trick out the sequel or the prequel, maybe both. I recommend it. Train to Busan is pretty good. Uh, solid inclusion, and I just kept being struck by how perfect a selection it was for train month. I just, from moment to moment, I was like, I'm glad I picked this one. Train things. Train action going on. Hashtag train things, which is what we aim to provide here on hashtag train month. <laughs> what was it? Was it train thoughts? Was that the hashtag? It was train thoughts last time, yeah. Any hashtag train something, assume that that's related to our podcast and inspired by our podcast. I'll subscribe to them all out there. Yeah. Can we, you subscribe to a hashtag? I don't know. But that, yeah. I, I feel like you can. I don't know too much about... You're more into the SEO type stuff. Uh, there's RFF. What it, What's an RFF feed, Dan? Can we get our all, all train RFF feeds redirected to yeah. us? RSS, not RFF. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're the computer scientist. I've been subscribing to RFF all along, and that's probably why I don't get any messages. Isn't that the Royal Air Force? Oh, no, that's RAF, yeah. No, I, I don't think you can just, like, RSS feed for trains. Like, I don't think that's a thing that you can do. 
Like it has to be from a specific source, like a blog or a Twitter feed or something. I don't know. Okay. You can't just say RSS for trains. Here we go, boys. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how a computer works, but thank you, Dan. Thank you for keeping me on track. Oh, nice. So, Dan, what is next? What lies ahead? What's what's down the way on the railroad? All right, Brian. So what we're going to be doing for our third week of train month, you know me, I like to get to the roots whenever we do a, a theme month. When we did circus month, I made us watch the circus by Charlie Chaplin. When we did animation month, I made us watch the oldest surviving animated film. And now I'm going to bring us back to the roots. So we're going to watch our main feature is going to be the general by Buster Keaton. All right. Perhaps the most iconic train movie there is, at least train silent that there is. Yeah, certainly from the silent era. I've been waiting for this one, actually. I was hoping it would come up this month. I've seen like three or four Keaton films, and that seems to be the one everybody talks about. Somehow I have never seen that one, so I'm ready. Oh, you haven't? Great. Have you seen um, Our Hospitality? I think so. For sure, and we'll talk about this more next time, but I've seen Sherlock Jr., I've seen The Cameraman, and I've seen one called College. Okay. So I just watched Our Hospitality. I'm doing like a chronological walk through great movies, and I just watched Our Hospitality, and The General would be a few movies down the road, so I'm just going to jump the gun and do The General now. Um, But Our Hospitality also has a significant train set piece in it, too. But let's just stick with the general. And then also in supplement to that to talk about the importance of early trains in cinema. We'll watch the Lumiere train actuality. What's it called? You mentioned it last time. Arrival of a train at La Cieta Station. Okay. And then we can also talk about um, the Great Great Train train Robbery. robbery. Yep. Yep. So you, you said you're in a history of film class, so it's fresh in your mind. Yes. Yes, indeed. And uh, I've taken several in the past, so you always hit Great Train Robbery. Usually they show the the arrival, so it'll be fun to talk train routes. We'll do the general, and then we'll also do those two early shorts. All right, good. Covering our bases, I was hoping. All right. Brian, our discussion this week was just the ticket, so thank you very much. You're welcome, Dan. <laughs> and I'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on The Goods. Thank you.